0: Well, this feels a little bit like a back to the future episode of the OHL podcast for me because it takes me back to the very beginnings of my experiences in the Ontario Hockey League in Guelph at a place called the Guelph Sports and Entertainment Centre. It was then before it became the Sleeman Centre and Jim Rooney, who is our guest this week, was one of the owners of that Storm franchise also the president, general manager. We spent a lot of time. I'm surprised, Jim, you'll even still talk to me today, given how much time we've spent talking over the years. (laughs) Mike,
1: uh, once a friend, always a friend. You know, uh, our Irish motto is uh, semper amicus fidelis. Always be faithful to your friends.
0: I like it a lot, and I certainly appreciate it, especially in this regard. Before we get into uh, your deep history with the Ontario Hockey League and the Guelph Storm, it seems to me, Jim as though your name is, frankly, synonymous with sports in the city of Guelph. What is it about sports that you believe is so important to the fabric of a community?
1: Well, Mike, you just hit it. It's the fabric. Sports is that opportunity for individuals, teams, families, corporations to pull together and excel in an area of skill or which they love doing it, it <clears throat> and to do it at you know to raise the bar do it at a high level and um enjoy it sport sport is just that uh it's the dimension of culture that engages first of all the individual in and, and his or her growth as a person and then when you put them into a forum of one on one or one on 10 or whatever a team it just raises that level again of excellence. And I, I guess we've always had a philosophy that sport does that anything else can do. And that is first be the best, and then you will be first. And and uh, for, for me, that was, no matter what we're going to attack or, or, or take on, you Well, know, if you're gonna be a good public speaker, you go be the best. If you're gonna be a quilter, go be the best. If, if you're gonna be an artist, great. Um, so I've been, I've been blessed and fortunate to have wonderful mentors myself that always challenged me. Uh, and, um, so I'm grateful, but, but sport in a community, it just bonds. It It's the glue that energizes
0: it. It's the common area in a community and, uh, and it's fun. It occurs to me that there are parallels between sports and the career where you spent so much time in education. My father also spent a professional career in education, and I can see the parallels between what you've done in sports and probably how you helped communities come together within the school system in Guelph.
1: Well, and and, and yes, I am grateful for that because the parallels, and and you probably know that my background was, St. Mike's in Toronto. And one of my most phenomenal mentors was Father Dave Bauer. And uh, I mean, so many of the life lessons that I brought into adulthood, besides coming from my family and my Irish heritage, uh, was really ingrained in me at St. Mike's. And um, so you, you're forever grateful for that experience. And then, you know, you just meet great people along the way. And and, and yes, the, 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 excellent, the academic piece is there, but it's still people, you know, and it, it, it comes down to the the only asset you have are people, and 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 that's why uh, you know they're precious. And I used to tell the faculty all the time, the only right to have a, to be able to come here are kids. We're here because of the kids. They have a right to an education. We have the privilege to teach them. So from that point of view, it was I was lucky every day.
0: What does it mean to you to have been inducted into the Guelph Sports Hall of Fame?
1: Wow, I never had that question. Um, I, I guess it's a recognition. It's a, it, it's, it's. I'm kind of speechless. I guess you don't kind of process it. It, it it's. Um, truly, it's a reflection of the community, and uh, uh It's a reflection of the community, and it certainly, I'm grateful for the incredible opportunities I've had. And, uh, you know, that comes back to family. Like um, we talked today, you know, about teammates. Well, man, I've had phenomenal teammates. And and good teammates support you, encourage you, challenge you, um, encourage you. And and so I guess I'm, uh, you know, when I look at all the people that are there and some of my heroes are there as a Guelphite, then I'm
0: I'm deeply humbled by it. Who might some of those heroes be? Who are Jim Rooney's sporting heroes?
1: Well, well, I, I guess uh, depending where you want to start. If I, uh, w- when I was growing up, uh, Le, Gros, Le Gros Jean, Jean Beliveau. Um, my dad was a Habs fan, and I, I grew up a time of radio, <laughs> so we listened to a lot of games. Um, And I I remember as a kid, I used to, this is really aging me, Mike, but I had a pillow speaker and I put it under my uh, pillow and, and listen to hockey games or ball games as I'd fall asleep. So, you know, uh, I've been a Dodger fan. So Duke Snyder, Jackie Robinson, Sandy, I can go through the list of great Dodgers, um, great Habs fan, um, a ton of great St. Mike's mentors and, and, uh, were my heroes, whether it's a Davy Keon, um, you know, a a person, a a leader who was skilled. Uh, I mean, I I recall watching him in a practice because I was playing minor hockey at the time. He did an exercise once that just stunned me. He stood at the blue line and was taking shots and he was ringing them from post to post. Like we talk in baseball about the spin on the ball, he had to spin on the puck. Like I was blown away. So I've been really blessed and grateful for, you know, some some magical heroes um, in sport. Um, so you know, again, phenomenal
0: teammates, Mike, like you. <laughs> did you did you ever have the guts to tell Dave Keon that you were such a big Habs fan? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, and uh, remember, he was from Rue Norenda. So he appreciated that duality, you know, and back in those days, he had no choice because, you know, sadly, you were an indentured servitude, you signed a C form, and you were their property for life. So he, he knew that once he came to St. Mike's, he wasn't going to become a Blackhawk or a or a happy dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that okay. is one of the great things about sports, though, isn't it? I'm oh. a diehard Leafs fan. You're a Habs fan. And the rivalry may not be what it used to be, the Highway 7 rivalry between Kitchener and Guelph, but we can always appreciate the other side. We can have some fun while we're in the midst of it, et cetera. Maybe easier when we're not on the ice, but that's one of the beauty thing, beautiful things about sport.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it brings people together from walks, variety of walks of life from around the world, because I've had the privilege of uh, representing Canada at Yaroslav at the under 18. And, and you meet characters that are just, um, you have common bonds. You don't know it, but some the sport often or the academic piece brings you together to to celebrate that.
0: You mentioned just before we started recording that the kind of joke within your family is that the Guelph Storm were like your fifth child. How did you, what led you into that position where you got to have a stake in the ownership group with the Guelph Storm?
1: It, it, it's ironic. Um, a good friend of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, Joe Holodi, had the platers here <clears throat> and um, he had run into a bump in the road with the city he had told the city in 88, my contract. He had a five-year deal up, is up. And if I don't have a new contract by July 1st, I'm moving. <clears throat> Sadly, they, you know, they, ah, Joe, you're not going. Well, Joe left. <laughs> Joe went to Sound. Joe said, I told you, city fathers and mothers, I needed a contract by July 1st. God bless Joe. He leaves. <clears throat> we have a fall election. We get a new mayor. One of the first things he says is, "We got to go get junior hockey." So I got invited by a former mayor to form a group, and there initially there were twenty five of us. Whittled itself down after year one, and um, because we needed as teammates to sort out who was going to do what and what philosophy actually we had to bring to the table. So. <clears throat> um, so that was kind of the uh, the beginning of it. and After we got going, uh, I owe a lot of gratitude to um, the Sioux Greyhounds and to the Kuduber Peets. Because in the early years, uh, I'd spent my time on the road, uh, driving wherever I'd meet. I'd meet Eddie Rowe in Oshawa. I want, I want, I want to pick your brain. I, I want to learn about this. I, I want to know, um, you know, Dr. Chinook and Sherry, just want tell me here's a list of questions um just i need to get a flavor um i've done a lot of things but you know this is a new venture and and we're going to do it right because one thing i did know this was the third time a junior a team was in guelph and and we had to make it right we had we had no margin of error and um when you start out that first year with 344 season ticket holders you you got a big road to climb. So I I was lucky and grateful that um, uh, we went to study other people who are doing it well. Like, tell me about it. And and that kind of camaraderie and certainly sharing helped me as personally. And then you kind of bring the other skill sets you have of perhaps some elements of leadership and some elements of mentoring people and and just the love of the game to say, hey, this is, this is terrific. So that's kind of where, but, but it became the child because our kids all worked, except our daughter, Colleen, but the three boys did. Um, it became a family event, obviously, for, for so many things. And, and then getting ourselves back in the community is where the family really, really helped, because <clears throat> we're not just a, a community team, we're a team in the community. And we've got to make those bonds very consciously because if you don't, it just doesn't happen. So, you know, and as I say, we had what I perceived to be the last chance to, uh, to make it right. And uh, so uh, uh, don't screw it up, Jimmy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jimmy, you must be so proud today mm-hmm. to see the franchise continuing and continuing strong.
1: Yeah, you know it's easy to stand by. Uh, I mean, I recall finally being in Halifax in nineteen at the twenty nineteen, and you know there there's George Burnett there, and uh, you know George took us to our first uh, championship in ninety eight. So again, it's about people, and it's about the. I mean, a, a, as a team, again, the only asset you have are your players. And, and you better understand that. And you better grasp it. And you better, you know, work with them. I, I'll give you one principle we had that we never drafted a boy we didn't visit. And we visited him in their home. And I had biases, of course, because I felt I knew adolescence pretty well. But if we're going to take the boy out of his home, let's meet him on his turn first. And let's try and understand what makes him tick. And and, and personally, I'd always want to see his relationship with his mom, because when the boy left home and he had a few hiccups, he could be calling mom, ma, you know, I'm seven, what, what would I do next? So there were always some things we put in the mix that, you know, you kind of, we could put skill set and we could measure speed and we could never measure the size of the heart. And we could never measure the the quality of the family that, that was going to support this boy. So
0: uh,
1: there were some key components kind of in, in
0: that mix. You mentioned that first championship with George in 98, one of four OHL championships that you were a part of when mm-hmm. you had that part ownership of the team. There have been two more. OHL championships in in the past 10 years 14 19 that you've 19? yeah <laughs> but that elusive and I don't mean I don't mean to be gloomy Gus here but that's the elusive memorial cup how much does that haunt you if at all
1: probably one of the toughest stings I ever experienced in sport was losing in overtime in Spokane. And, and there's so many pieces to that, um, it, it, you know, and I've replayed it uh, uh, just um, so often. But on the face off of the winning goal in overtime, we had the player who should have been there centering against their overager happened to be crushed and injured in the Plymouth series. So we ended up with an overage facing off against our 16-year-old. Face off is lost. It's at the blue line. Uh it's in the next thing you know, it's in the net. And and it was that moment of uh, now and and that's you know, the sting of it, the joy of it is is numerous, but but that you talk about elusive,
0: yeah, that was um It was elusive. (laughs) Well, but, and that just goes to show Jim, how fine the line can be and it can come down to that one face off where you didn't have the personnel on the ice that you would have liked to have there. And not everybody would recognize that they might just remember the overtime loss to Spokane, but the things that went into that can stick with you.
1: Well, and, and and you're right. And just, You know, going to overtime, we should have never gone there. But there's so many pieces I can, you know, you break down because that's I think what you do is you study it. For example, we lost in game six in um, the Olympia in Detroit in 96. And that was probably one of our best teams ever. But again, you take that, you try to break it down. And that's where I think you get better every day. If you're not getting better, you, you, well, you got to get better. I mean, there's, this is not an option. We got to get better. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so that's where the fine line of putting those pieces together along the way. and um, and And then, you know, just how happy you can be for the kids and their families, like, because the journey they've been on you know, it's been phenomenal. And um and yet I, I go back to the year before ninety-six, um game seven, we, we were playing Peterborough in ninety-six. In that final, the home team lost every game.
0: And you had home ice for game seven, correct? Correct.
1: Yes. Now, we were up six five with a minute and about 28 to go we get a penalty call (laughs) okay like where is it anyway they tie it we go into overtime you gotta love this go back and watch the video that goal would in overtime would never have counted if you remember the old wealth memorial gardens the benches were not parallel they were not in quotes even and so the player going off the ice in overtime is on our blue line and the person coming on the ice is at our blue line, sorry, their blue line. And he scores a winning goal. One referee, no video, like there's too many men on the ice here. (laughs) Like what's going on anyway? Yes. I can vividly recall Mike so many moments of excitement and joy and, um, but but when you break it down, you always try to uh, try to understand, try to appreciate. You know, you talk about clearly the, the fine line. It really is a fine fine line, and they all have to line up. You know, they just have to line up, and you have to bring your best every shift, every game, and and then get some luck. You got to get some puck luck, and you know, in in uh, Kelowna, ringing it off the bell in game one, like, you know, off a post, Matt Ryan, God love him. It shouldn't have, anyway, you can go through and there's segments of, you know, all of the games, but more importantly, you know, your your memory is with the people you were with. Just the other day I had a, and this is something I'm so grateful for, is that our families were were such an integral part of our, 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 who we are here. I'm driving on the highway and I get a call from Mike Callahan, Ryan's dad. Now, again, we were fortunate that our parents became lifelong friends and still are friends. We still have a contact, uh, which is exceptional and appreciative. But again, it goes back to that, that, that basic, if you, if you choose a person, a player that you know, and 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 Ryan like was a fifteenth round draft pick. <laughs> just like, but again, uh, it, it was that being being your friends and being there whenever you need them and for whenever. So when I travel to Rochester, we have lunch together, we catch up and tell stories, and and it's just that aspect of camaraderie and fellowship and friendship that uh, you know that. Uh, inspires people It uh, ignites the passion for the game and keeps you excited about it
0: you may have just alluded to something that i'm sure is very difficult a probably an impossible question like choosing a favorite kid but over your years a player that stands out and maybe that player was ryan callahan that story that you just shared becomes the captain of your team goes on to a lengthy pro career just last year of course you get the opportunity as an organization to recognize him and raise his number i mean are it would it be ryan callahan that first comes to mind are there others that jump out at you jim
1: well i, I mean i i could give you a 50. Maybe. first kid we had Todd Bertuzzi drafted in your rink um you know a, a 16 year old who had to grow into his, and, and coming off a very awkward situation and uh, um, <laughs> the only time I've ever spoke at a wedding was at Todd's he invited me to be a guest speaker at his wedding like <clears throat> so I could uh, you know, uh, going back to choosing Jeff O'Neill, uh, the pressure on us was to choose Alindros. Because on that draft, uh, Jeff was ranked very high. But the key piece for us was Paul and Laverne, his mom and dad. And, and that family situation again. Uh, so, I, you know, like, uh, how about... Um, Chris Height, first American boy we, we brought in, you know, um, Bill and Jean were just terrific. Um, putting him in the right environment in terms of, you know, the right billet family. Um, again, there's so many things you juggle to try to line up for the best interest of the the player. But I, I guess, you know, every decade has its, um, it's, uh, individuals, uh, Maybe my favorite player would be Mike Kelly. Mm. Um, I get a little emotional because Mike meant so much to our organization. And um, Mike just got inducted into the Guelph Sports Hall of Fame. So that was the day we brought back kids from 25 years ago, you know, to celebrate with Mike. And uh, it was a great night.
0: That man. Seemed to have the Midas touch when it came to putting, didn't he? When it came to putting together a team,
1: phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. I used to say to Mike, Mike, um, like he just had. You mentioned the Midas touch. He he had a, a touch and feel and a and an intuition. One of the great skills he had was the ability to project a player. And, and and mike was in a class by himself where he'd select a player that would be maybe high I'll, I'll give you a great example jason jackman great captain great character person i mean i can go on and on and list players who were never ranked in the at, at the upper tier mike had that ability you know and just it was phenomenal um, so He'd be my favorite player.
0: You talked earlier about the guidance you sought from others in the league as you were beginning this process, your experience with the U-18s, Team Canada. What have you learned or what did you learn through that, Jim, about what goes into building a great team? Because while the Memorial Cup may have been elusive, four championships is nothing to sneeze at. What goes into making those teams?
1: Um Planning, Um, you know, you have to have a very clear vision. And one one of the things we decided early in the partnership was if we wanted to be a champion, we better go get a champion, somebody who's been a champion. So we went and got a guy like Greg Hartsburg. Go get professionals um, who have been through that. I mean, if you want to teach kids, get the thoroughbreds. to use analogy, Um, and give them resources and get the heck out of their way. Um, I've always been uh, blessed to putting a team of 50 or 60 or however many together is. I never want to hire 20 people like me. I'd want to hire 19 very diverse people who collectively we bring together specific skills and then work to bring them together to work. And uh, so sure, we built it on our principles, you know, and LE, LA, <laughs> principles with LES in um, a value system that I think can beat the test of time. And, um, but, but it goes, it was always important to plan but then you had to be flexible in your planning. <laughs> like um, like a, a, a small tidbit in 90, summer of 95, um, we thought we had a pretty good team in 96. We knew we were going to be pretty good. But there was a gentleman's agreement that at trade deadline, if Team X wasn't in a great position, and we were, that, We might get first choice if this player was being moved. It was that kind of planning, if you want, to have lots of transparent discussions, confidential, of course, with your partners, but um, trying to always ensure that there was, if we fail here, we've got a backup, that we have something in place so that, instead of taking massive steps back where we start, that we were going to get a little better every year. And and that's where I think, uh, no matter what, you know, whether it's coaches, whether it's uh, putting a team psychologist in place like Doc Widmer, like putting, you know, having a a Dougie Fluke do training, like a nutritionist, whatever it is, Mike, once you identify it, then how do we fit that piece of the puzzle to make our kids better? And if we make our kids better, we got a chance of making our team better. <laughs> and so we've been uh, pretty pretty fortunate that way.
0: How difficult was it for you, Jim, when you had to relinquish control of the team to Stadia?
1: Um, well, we we actually didn't we we won that one we ended up if you recall in court with our city um and it was i won't go into all of it but we had a we, we thought an agreement in place they backed out of the agreement and we ended up in court and once uh we went in court actually <laughs> once we lost that court case we, we had agreed as partners that um, if we lost the court case then we would be selling. So, I mean, I, we're big boys. After the year one, when we had a real challenge getting 25 of us to work together and we had to prune it and say, we're either going to buy you or are you are going to buy us out? But we, we believe this way. and So, you know, we, we won the bet, lost the cash and... <laughs> And went from there, but but we knew at that point that if two of us wanted to go, we were going. So I knew. I mean, I knew that. But true. Sure, but but, Mike, it, it's sport also teaches you. The, the you know, it's the last minute of play. <laughs> there, there's no shootout in ownership. <laughs> <laughs> you you um, you know, there's going to be a start and a finish. So um, sometimes you just don't know when that finishes. So, and that's why when you have those moments, you celebrate them. you know, you just celebrate them and say, my, oh, my, I'll tell you a story that it's uh, many stories, but Brian Wilsey won a championship with us in 98. He tells the story he spent his whole pro career, never winning another championship championship. He won was with uh, Colorado and he's, Told players over and over you can play your whole career and never win a championship so so just kind of put that in the context no matter where you are what league you're playing in it it is that so celebrate those times celebrate those moments celebrate those opportunities you have and uh, and get better
0: i was struck by what you said earlier jim when the platers had left town there's an election the new mayor comes in and says, we need to get junior hockey back into this community. Can you put into perspective the void that was left behind when the platers left for Owen Sound?
1: It was like you wake up in the morning and if you were close, you knew it could happen, but it's like it's you don't believe those. They're not gonna do that. But he said they were. And if if you know him, he's a man of his word. So don't, don't, don't. Bluff up. Please don't. But again, it was it's ironic. We had some people in leadership that perhaps didn't appreciate sports and, and the importance of it. And um, there were other people that said, ah, Joe's not going to do this. You know, like, and then it happens. And uh, uh. so, M- Michael, I had a letter dated October 12th, 1988, that we'd be in a new building in 91 or 92. We opened the new building September 28th, 2000. So the politicalization of a community is something you've got to constantly work with and realize that um, if you're committed to it, there's always a solution. You got to find a solution. Um, a, a short anecdote about you asked me about the storm being our fifth child. When our kids were going through high school, Patty and I said, You get through high school and we'll take care of your university, but I want you to get through. So, in uh, the end of year one, we had no surprise lost money. <laughs> A ton, so we all had to write personal checks. <laughs> and two of our kids, Dad, are we gonna be okay? Is that, is that promise you made me okay on that? On that, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, I'm a man. I'll, if I if we said we're gonna do, it, we'll do it. Uh, but and that's where kind of that family thing. The storm is like a child. We promise to take care of this, and and we'll take care of it, and and we'll make we'll work it out. Don't worry. That was the only year we had to do it. Um, so it it it's about you know believing and and uh you know being persistent. We're Irish and some people say we're stubborn. No, we're just very persistent. <laughs> we're not we're not going away. We're just gonna we're gonna keep at it. We're we just we'll, we'll get it right, you know, and, and we'll keep working until we do get it right.
0: So it's not lost on me that we're having this conversation about the time that the Slaters were not there, Major Junior was not in Guelph, and the, a very similar situation is playing out in a nearby community, although we go back further into OHL history. But Brantford at one time had a team, at least for the foreseeable future they'll have a team again and there are all kinds of whispers and the current mayor of Brantford has made it very clear he'd like to see Major Junior back in the city of Brantford much like you just said with that previous mayor of Guelph what do you make of what's going on there how closely are you paying attention
1: well we're on the periphery we're not in the in the full game action now um I I think I know for sure that Uh, the one way to make sure Brantford stays is get them a building. I mean, the facility today, Michael, is whether you're working in a studio, a theater, uh, you know, um, a store, uh, wherever, wherever, you've got to have the appropriate facility. So that will drive the bus and the hope for that um, we're a small community operation. I mean, you always tell us we've proven, sadly, we can't work in Toronto. <laughs> we've proven Ottawa's the exception. London is better than and Windsor, but and, and your own uh, kitchen. Wow. But most of us aren't. We're a small town. Um, and, that, and that's where it works best when everybody works together. So I'm hoping for Bradford. It'd be great for the league. They have a wonderful history, and again, does it connect the community?
0: Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. So, yeah, I get the sense it's kind of got that. It's a right-sized junior hockey market, isn't it?
1: Big time. And, and by the way, I, I think it's close enough. And I don't want to speak for the citizens of Hamilton, but if I'm in Ancaster, twenty-five-minute drive down the road, it's it it's doable. You know, uh, in in our community. We we made a priority one year to go sell season stickers to folks in Aaron. Like, why wouldn't we bring the folks from Arthur in or, or whoever and, and go out and cultivate that? So I I think if I were operating, I feel really good about it. You know,
0: that's really interesting because I'm I'm a big fan when I'm out on a little motorcycle tour of all of those Wellington County places arthur and aaron and you know etc and and you mentioned when you took control of the team 388 i think the number was a, a low number 300,
1: 344
0: thank you 344 season ticket subscribers you must have had to hustle to build that fan base yes
1: and that's where the off-ice team and the right people are so good if you go and look at the Personnel off ice now for the storm, they've been there 20 years, the key people. And there's a reason, even when, you know, in 16, 17, they had pretty ordinary, poor hockey clubs, they were still putting bums in the seats. And <clears throat> our kids will tell you that um, dad was always about bits, bums in the seats. Um, <laughs> what, what are the bits? Because that's what we need. I, I recall um, Joe when he was here, was extremely generous um, and and, and turn us to our community. but but at times, I listening to colleagues, they took advantage of his generosity and they wouldn't buy tickets. I'm shopping in locals there after we get going, and guy, Jimmy, where are my tickets? you know what when Mike Kelly comes to buy his groceries here at Zares he's got to pay for them now I got to get raised I got to sell tickets to pay for Mike and his family because he doesn't get free groceries and it was sometimes that gap we had to jump over where there's no such thing as a free lunch come on everybody. somebody's taking care of it so I need you if it's important to you We'll work with you. You know, we'll sell you a half-season ticket, whatever. We'll sell you an adult and a child. We'll work with you to accommodate you coming to support our hockey club, which is your hockey club. We're just kind of the custodians of it, you know. We're just going to be the people who pay the bills. And we'll take accountability if we're good, and we'll take accountability if we're (laughs) awful. But, you know, we'll show up
0: every day. Building these fan bases, connecting to the communities where the teams exist, uh, arguably, I I think it's, we look at the 20 member teams in the league currently. It's a pretty healthy league. I know there are some little soft spots, but overall. And I'm really fascinated, Jim, that you chaired the OHL's board of governors when it oversaw expansion from 16 to 20 teams. What went into that? What kinds of conversations were you having as a board about adding those four new franchises?
1: Some of the early ones was, are you kidding? <laughs> Don't even, get out of here. <laughs> like, now, thank goodness for some phenomenal good, other really good leaders. And and Dave was driven. I mean, here's an anecdote that probably will never get to. But the first person that came for an expansion franchise was in Toronto. And he was turned down. He wanted to play at varsity. And again, I go back to the facility. Come, the facilities were so critical, so important in so many ways. But and, and I know that we got transferred from Hamilton to here. Based on the letter from the mayor, we'd have a new rink. Robert Cicerelli went from Newmarket to Sarnia based on that. Conviction, we'll have a new rink. Sherry Bassett went from um, Niagara Falls to Erie based on we'll upgrade the facility. Mike, you've gone through at least two plus phases of refurbishing of the odd, the phenomenal rink. So you know every day you live it, especially when you go to other rinks. We saw it in Kingston, we saw it in Oshawa. Do, Do I need to go out? Windsor, London, I just so there's that was built into that but if we were going to do expansion it was going to be uh not only the right partner but um the uh the right kind of facility so uh (laughs) irony of ironies do you know the first expansion team went to went to barry oh my gosh And, and what was the promise New building. You only had to play in the old barn in two years. Right. So a- anyway, and then the second expansion team
0: was, father,
1: I confess, St. Mike's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought of that earlier when you talked about your history there. must have hurt well, a little bit. Um, well, it. it uh,
1: but the promise was, and this is where politics, there was a promise for a new rink at St. Mike's. And it was the city council at St. Mike's that you could at the city council in Toronto that you could, because Eugene Melnick was going to fund it and put it on campus. And the city wouldn't allow it to happen. Anyway, there are lots of those stories <laughs> that you, you, you pinch yourself, you know? You say like, wow. Um, I, so then the next two uh, we knew about Brampton. What was it? A new building. Great owner. The fourth one, Mississauga. New building. Don Cherry and his partners. You know Trevor, um, Elliot. Um, so th- we we developed a very clear pattern or footprint. And, and what happened there is the expansion not only gave more opportunities for jobs and leaders and to grow and, and then for players to go on, but in most cases, it, it gave that opportunity for communities to grow, to identify with their team, um, to host phenomenal events like Mississauga in the 2010 Memorial Cup. Um, so... <clears throat> In Oshawa subsequently in Windsor subsequently but um, I, I think those uh, those those steps were once we got the mindset that before we say no to it let's at least explore it let's study it let's put a plan in place let's see what is possible and you know and, and that's where Dave branch was just a phenomenal anchor great teammate, uh, good vision. Um, and um, so in a period of, what, four years, we have four teams. Three years, we have four teams.
0: Was it important, Jim, to establish that footprint in the GTA?
1: Well, we often thought it was. Now You got to keep in mind <clears throat> the irony of ironies. When I was a young kid growing up in Toronto, I had season stick. My parents had season sticks to junior hockey. We used to play Marley's and St. Mike's Saturday afternoon. You know, uh, two periods straight time, third period stop time. And then the Leafs would play at night. <laughs> so <clears throat> I grew up in a hockey community family, had cousins who went on to play. And so at that point, it was very, very clear big city is where it should be. But it evolved and you give it your best shot and you know, it's just Toronto is a different kind of market. Um, Very different. And so you quickly learn that the hinterlands might be the place to be, whether it be Brampton or Mississauga. Um, And even there, we began to see the real challenges of you've got to have a community and it's got to be together. And, um, uh, you've got enough in the GTA that, um, the, the, again, the value of a, well, you're, you're on a station. like You live in a community that you understand it every day. There's a great radio. There's TV. There's the free press, or the record, rather. You, in, in Toronto, you don't get that. The big city doesn't have it. It's, they're competing for whatever You know, and they care about the Leafs. Like, they care about the Leafs. And, you know, I I don't know. I mean, Eric Lindros playing in um, Oshawa was the closest to getting a presence in Toronto 30 years ago. You know, he's a Toronto kid, and so they followed him. But we sure couldn't um, make that kind of imprint you need to or impact. You need to, to, be, to be
0: significant. I find myself thinking sometimes, the longer I'm around this league, Jim, about other communities, other cities where it might work. Chatham pops into my mind from time to time. I, I'm fond of talking about bring back the Royals to Cornwall, maybe Belleville's not all that long removed. And who knows, even though they've got the AHL team there right now. Do you think the league is right sized at 20 teams is there room for it to expand again ever?
1: I think there is, but but you're absolutely right. Where you would go is um you know the again the critical piece. I uh, I, I know it's probably very tender, but you're right beside one of the best communities where it could be. And that's in Waterloo. And that's such a no-brainer but the politicalization of that is a real factor another community that could be but, but it doesn't have the um for is Cambridge um because of access but uh, you know in a community that's finally struggled to come when you bring three together to form one I, I, I so there are, very limited spots to go um but um so the right spot i think would be part mike of w- if you were going to go you know uh, um to expand and and it's um but it's it, again it's t- 20 works i i would think in all cases um you want to make sure that the 20 you have are in good shape. Expansion, you know, 30, expand for the sake of expanding isn't the reason. Expansion, if it's done properly, will stand the test of time and prove that these communities will embrace these teams, take care of them, nurture them, and... And, and you'll be here for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever.
0: I guess it just occurred to me that if there were to be a further expansion of this league, it would have to happen under the watchful eye of the next commissioner. David Branch's name just came up again recently as we were talking. How do you feel about the man after 45 years, the man you worked so closely with, calling it a career?
1: Um I think everybody in hockey, not just major junior hockey, but hockey across this country is, I mean, I used to he's often imitate it, never duplicate it. One of a kind. I used to talk to Dave about POD, his point of difference. And and the and the great thing about working with David was to be able to at times keep up with him, um stay with him and and you know, I think the strength of a real good team is where you push each other in the right direction and then support each other. Because one thing that's really important you learn very early in the um, if, if it's a three to one vote near the one, you better be leading the parade with the other three. Okay, because you have no choice. Because that's what a team is about. And so David had so many great skills, and I'm forever grateful that he was there for I mean it'll never happen again it just won't happen you know you take a I think it was what 27, 28 when he started this journey the young puppy and again thrown into it into the chasm of Major Junior and wow and and the the list of credits just go on and on like wow I personally love working with him for a whole bunch of reasons but you can learn a lot from David. Um, here's something I'll share with you: that have you ever seen Dave work with Dave? Dave always has a book with him.
0: Yes, he does.
1: Yes, he does. And and Dave is forever taking notes. You know, and and um, back when cell phones, I I enjoyed my road trips with Dave on so many occasions, but the road trip was often a working road trip you're in the car working on the phone whatever it is Uh, and he had an ability he had an unbelievable stamina about him clear vision good teammate great teammate um and um and and i could go on and on about dave and the lessons he taught and the impact well it'll, it'll last forever in the league um but one one aspect I loved working with them, and this is where my own background crisscrosses, is taking the education piece to a level it wasn't, and it's gone on to succeed. And, uh, you know, going from one academic piece to three areas to recognize, uh, to the first, we're the first group to write a, a program called Players First. Um, so that kind of piece, you know, the scholarship piece today is an outgrowth of that. Um, Dave got it. And and Dave was always tremendous. He kept his finger close. Like, he coached himself. Probably a lot of people didn't, unless you're really... But uh, everybody in Whitby knew Dave coached. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, keeping his hands in the game, and again, working with parents himself, he continued to understand and grow. And then, uh, you know, and then he would apply those lessons. Um, so it was, it was fun. I I loved it. Love the, uh, love that whole phase of life. But
0: As his stature grew in the game, Jim, I, I just wondered about those kids in Whitby he was coaching. This is David branch behind the bench. We'd better listen to this guy.
1: Yeah. Um, but he was smooth, <laughs> and and he had, you know, David had the ability to step on your toes without dulling the shine of your shoe. <laughs> you know, he could, uh, and I guess one, uh, there's so many reasons I, I love David, and but his love for the game was so clear, crystal clear. But he was also a, a good person about reading the times and. David was never afraid of discipline. David always appreciated the the importance of accountability. And um, one of my heroes growing up was, uh, and this is what what, again stood in, in my vocabulary of business was a gentleman named Walter Alston. Walter Alston managed the Brooklyn slash LA Dodgers for 24 years. And Walter Alston had twenty-four one-year contracts. And when I was growing up, that was one of the business lessons I learned: that every year you got to be ready to go, and you've got to earn it. it it's uh, and you got to prove, you know, because that's what you're asked to do, and and you, you better be able to. So. wow. Uh, um, <clears throat> Everybody I'm sure brings those characterizations or lessons that, that mean a lot to them. And, um, and, and then over time prove to be very extremely valuable.
0: Um, We've, we've talked a lot about building teams, the importance of teammates. I I might say your two closest, Roger Lajoie, Chris DePiro, have both been on this podcast talking about teammates, which is your, Latest endeavor keeps you busy these days. What's it all about? Why is it important?
1: You know, um, <clears throat> I was having a beer with Roger in Vegas. This is five years ago, and we had known each other throughout the hockey world for a number of years. From he was involved with the Marley's years ago, and then through the CHL, and then obviously at the OHL, and then he moved on to Ottawa. So I've known Raj for a long time, and you know, over beer, we're just celebrating. What about boom, boom, boom? And we start through the next thing, you know, that June we launched Teammates and Teammates was just about, uh, it's ironic you, you mentioned this, Michael, because I just happened to have a copy of...
0: It's on my shelf back here. It is. uh
1: The Power of Teammates. And so, you know, the key to that are the 10 principles. And so... All of us come from an educational framework. Roger was teaching at uh, Ryerson slash Toronto International or whatever. Metropolitan, TMU, yeah. Um, Chris, I I know him from St. Mike's. Um, And then in Oshawa, he was in Oshawa. So we probably had a lot in common. The only thing we didn't have in common was age, but that's okay. Uh, I'm uh, eighth for the 10th time, I think. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we uh, decided, let, let's do this. And, and the one-on-one, this was pre-COVID, w- was really good. During COVID, of course, everything stops and you, you become a, a, a Zoom teammate. There's nothing, you know, the personal part is put to rest. and But you write every day and you know what? It's ironic. I just spent Saturday with them at Toronto. We're doing, we're taking the principles and putting them in video, and we're going to put the course online so somebody can sign up for it and basically do it on their own whenever they want. Because um, we have to adjust to where we're at, and uh, you know, we've certainly had discussions about another book, but but we are looking at taking because you know what we the teammates thing is is so real it, it it's realer than real we never we're we're not solo performers we we gotta have great support staff and yet every person that we've encountered has the ability to grow you know um i i go back to an example early on in our storm days um I put a small amount in our budget every year for professional growth. Because again, coming my background, you gotta keep growing. So I had an employee early on came back to me and we did our year-end review and he said, Jimmy, here's your money back. I didn't, I don't want it. And here's what I'm telling you right now. If you ever bring this back to me again, you'll be fired. Because I want you to know I'm investing in you for you to grow. And that's really important because I don't want you to have 10 years experiences, which is 10 years repeated nine times. I want you to have 10 years experience. So I want that diversification. I'm hoping for that growth. And um, so if I believe in that, I got to apply it to myself, <laughs> so it, 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 you know, you can't be an example unless you work at trying to do what you say you believe in yourself, and um, then you may have some credibility, or it may make sense to people, you know. So again, that's where teammates come in, and uh, and it's it's been a just an incredible joy to uh, to work with both uh, Chris and Raj. Um, but 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 as importantly, Mike, with uh, some of the individuals, I'll, one anecdote, we had a lady who'd been in a particular industry for almost 30 years and really had plateaued. Came to us, uh, lady was in her 50s. I, I need help. Well, we spent half a year with the person. At the end of the time, the transformation that occurred w- was phenomenal. She went back, her um, she got engaged, her community. She became representative for the mayor's council. Uh, her the ownership of her company and the, the corporate. It, 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 they just saw, I'm sure, revitalization in this person. That's the kind of joy and excitement that no matter how old you are, age is. It's a desire. It's that mindset to say, hey, what is possible? Because we'd often said, people don't get what they want because they don't know what they want. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where I think as teammates, we help people to say, what is it you want? How do we help you with that? Because within you is that power and that ability. And then what you don't have, your teammates can help you with. And uh, so that, that's been a, Mike, it's just teaching and teaching and teaching. <laughs> the classroom is the world. It's just.
0: It's just going it to say, it, it doesn't, it never leaves you, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. Not at all.
0: Not at all. It's just, uh, so. There are you not many.
1: Well, when, when you come home at night, like, mums and dad go, hey, what'd you like, math and math yeah, you did. Come on. So, it's just taking that basic question and saying, "Okay, let's let's go." Um, I uh, my, my kids will tell you we used to have a discussion at the table every night, and part of it, was, and they they mock me and tease me, but they're they're they they do it in good fun. Now we used to always have this particular portion of dinner called let's talk about ideas um because these is you know talk about his people you don't need but, but if you want to talk about ideas you gotta think you gotta explore gotta use your imagination gotta be able to think outside the box and without being too corny one of the great lessons i learned at st mike's was what i call the coin theory there's always two sides. And, and one of the classes, which wasn't a class, but everybody taught it, was we used to have, a years ago, a debating society. And you had to be able to, they, they cherished you if you could debate both sides of the issue. And, and that's one thing I always wanna challenge people today about, and you do it every day. You do it every day for three, four hours every day, you're challenging your listeners. To, well, what about? And I, did you think about this? And to me, that's so critical because that's where solutions are. Solutions are found when you take what you think you know <laughs> and question it in a good sense. Explore it. See what you know. possibilities come with it. So,
0: Could not agree more on that point for sure. I love the way you put it. Look, I could, I think, talk to you for another full hour, but I want to be cognizant of your time. There are not many deeper connections to this game either or stories to be told than from the likes of you. So thank you very much for giving your time to us for this show.
1: I appreciate you, Mike, very much. Thank you.